millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Certainly, I imagine if you are in a household with a Leaving Cert student, there seems to be a little bit of a sigh of relief for the class of 2021 with the government yesterday finally signing off on the arrangements for the Leaving Cert exam yesterday. And this was after very intensive negotiations went on between the education department and all of the partners in education, everywhere from the students certainly listening to what was announced yesterday, the students certainly have been listened to but obviously all of the the teachers unions were involved uh, in this the management of schools were involved even though this morning it looks like some of the teachers unions are kind of saying that they still want a little bit more uh, clarification under the new Leaving Search plan students will be able to opt to receive a version of calculated grades and also they'll be able to sit the traditional exams and they're still sticking to the same date of June 9th for the start date of the exams this year and students must decide whether to sit the written papers but they'll have to make that decision without knowing what their calculated grades are and then the results of both will be issued around the same time and if they choose to sit the exams and then there's a difference in the grades awarded for one or two subjects they can then opt to take the higher grades so it's kind of a win-win really for for the students and my advice to any uh, student is sign up for the exams you don't have to sit it if you think the pressure is too much on you at least you know you will have the uh, calculated grades but you have really nothing to lose by signing up for the exams and actually going in and doing the exams and the calculated grades there is a bit of there is a bit of a change over last year the calculated grades um Firstly, there's a change in the name and we're going to have to get used to this. And, and I know I'll keep calling it calculated grades and I know I'll end up having teachers saying they're not calculated grades, you're calling it the wrong thing. They're now going to be called the State Examinations Commission Accredited Grades. OK, so accredited grades is the new word I've got to get used to saying and it'll be based on teacher assessments to be accumulated up to May. Teachers' estimated marks for students will then go through an in-school alignment process. That's to ensure fairness because you'll often hear whenever we talk about teachers giving these calculated grades or these accredited grades, you'll always have somebody saying, Asha, there's favouritism going on in the school and we all know 
teachers have their pets and what if a teacher doesn't like uh, a student. So for that reason, to ensure fairness, they'll go through a process within the school. Then they'll feed into a national standardisation process, which the education department will seek tenders for an algorithm. It's not, by the way, going to use the provider who gave the algorithm last year, because, of course, we know what happened. There was a mistake in the algorithm and that caused a whole host of different problems. So now they're going to look for a new provider to give the algorithm that will finally give the accredited mark at the end. Now, oral and practical exams, they will take place, but only for the students who choose to sit the written papers. The Education Minister, Norma Foley, has signalled that the orals will likely be held over two days during the Easter break. The department has also confirmed that exam-related coursework, these are all the projects, they will go ahead in the relevant subjects. Additional time now, obviously, is going to be provided for the completion. I mean, I saw last night on social media sites, students were now are now pressing, tell us the date that we have to have our project work in for, give us the completion and date. And it seems similar to the orals, coursework components will not form part of the accredited grades process. That's only for those that are going to be sitting the written exams. In some subjects, practical exams will not go ahead and that's because of public health considerations. But we we need more information that has yet to be uh, announced but the, the department say that that information will be given out as soon as possible. Schools will administer the orals and the practicals but they won't be responsible for awarding the marks. It, an example of how they will work is teachers will record students doing say an oral. They'll then send it back uh, to the State Examinations Commission for grading and Minister Foley said all stakeholders have worked extremely hard to get to this point and she said she listened carefully to every everyone and she said we now we've worked together and she's hoping that she has found a solution and it certainly was broadly welcomed by the Irish second level students uh, union Uh, they were delighted with this because they had pushed for choice I know the teachers didn't like the idea of giving the students' choice and certainly the ASTI were very much against the calculated grades, particularly if the calculated grades were going to be based on the way the calculated grades were done last year. So obviously there's been tweaks within that, but I think it's the TUI are out this morning saying they're looking for more clarity uh, as well. So I imagine more information there will be toing and froing between the Department of Education and the relevant bodies. But certainly from the students' point of view, it does look like a win for them. And win is probably the wrong word to use because nobody went to war on this but it does look like that the students were certainly listened to and then I suppose the question that is on everybody's minds particularly those leaving their students is when are we going to get back into the classroom because a lot of students while they're doing their best and teachers are doing their best with the remote learning remote learning isn't working for everyone and if you're in an area where you've got bad broadband if you're living in a home where perhaps it's crowded you haven't got space you know to have quietness in order to be able to concentrate there's, there's a lot of pitfalls to remote learning it does work for a lot of students it does work but it doesn't work for everybody and of course the best way is to have students back in the classroom and that goes I think for all of the students right across the board from the very small ones right up to the Leaving Cert class but what it's looking like now and this is picking up on the Taoiseach Michal Martin and what he said yesterday likely 
that the leaving certs will be returning to school on the 1st of March. Now, they won't be the only ones returning on the 1st of March. There's also now a push and this got mentioned last week and I think the week before as well, that the junior and senior infants pupils, they would also return on the same day as the Leaving Cert students. So we're going to have the very smallies and the class that will be leaving school very soon. They will all, it looks like they will be the first to go back in. Of course, the thought pattern with the junior and senior infants pupils is that they find remote learning particularly difficult. And also I think for, for children of that age, going to school, you know, the four and the five-year-olds and the six-year-olds, it's all part of their social development and their interaction with their their peers and of course they're missing out on all of that and and certainly the senior infant pupils they would have missed out on the whole chunk of last year as well so you know we can't let that group of children fall behind because you know we're laying down the building blocks of their self-esteem at this age as well and the building blocks of their education going forward so I think that is a good move if they go back if they're the earliest ones to go back the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting was held yesterday and it was at that that Micheál Martin was speaking he also said that the fifth year students they may also return to school on that uh, date that has to be confirmed though but of course all of this and none of this is set in stone this is all based on the spread of the virus and where are we at the 18th of February we've about another two weeks to go before kind of that 1st of March deadline so and the figures we know they are falling every day but they're falling at a very slow level Uh, and I'm wondering will Neffert say that they need to go even lower before we can even consider opening the schools so the the plan is and the hope is to have the leaving certs and the junior and senior infants back in class on the 1st of March but as I say it is all going to be dependent on how the spread of the virus is in this uh, country. The Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting also heard that other classes at both primary and second level will return to school very slowly and all of that is going to be done in line with public health advice. And there is a real push now for primary schools to reopen. I don't know if I've heard the same push for second level, but certainly primary school level. And I know John Paul is trying to get the National Parents Council primary section to join us uh, tomorrow on the programme because they conducted a survey last week and it was a big number, about 6,000 primary school parents took part in it. I think the figure came out 90% want the schools reopened. They want their children uh, back in uh, school. And I don't think this has got anything to do with homeschooling and parents feeling that they're not handling the homeschooling uh, too well they can just see their own children and how their own children need to be back in the classroom and even if you speak uh, to children, children themselves will say that they want to be back in the classroom you know last March when the schools closed initially it was a bit of a novelty factor for it and the weather was good and children were able to get out and about but I think since Christmas since they closed down at Christmas children I think want to be back in and they want to, what they miss their friends, they miss because we don't even have a case that they can go out and, you know, meet up with other families and, and play. So they're missing out on a lot. So there is a big, big push uh, to get the schools reopened. Getting already a string of texts in from people wondering when are they going to be getting their COVID-19 vaccine. Timmy in Kilworth is wondering about the 30 to 40 year olds. Any idea when we'll be getting our vaccines? They really seem to be dragging their heels. Um, I'll hopefully get to a piece uh, later on where the European uh, Union has come out with... Uh, that they've, they've put in orders for millions of extra 
vaccines but no dates on when we'll receive them in this country and then Maeve has said just in a message from her daughter in England she's getting her vaccine next Saturday she's only in her 50s one of our sons has already had his had his I just wish we could move on and then we might be able to see them we haven't been able to see our children since January of last year I've said it before to you it's all down to the EU calling the shots so to speak pardon the pun uh, they're controlling everything as I say I'll hopefully get to a piece uh, Mavis said later on uh, about the extra vaccines that the EU have ordered and it's expected they're on their way uh, to this country. But as to when people are going to get their vaccines along as a piece of string. It is all dependent on how many vaccines we get into the country every week and also this sequencing that has that has been done by the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. They're the crowd who decided uh, who would be the first and I think everybody agreed that it was only right and proper that we went into the nursing homes. They were the ones that have seen the highest amount of deaths because of COVID so they've looked after the nursing homes, they've looked after the frontline staff who are most exposed to COVID and now of course we know we're rolling it out to the over 70s with the over 85s being done and again the papers are full of photographs of very euphoric over 85 year olds absolutely thrilled to have received their vaccines yesterday and I saw on the paper and I just didn't read where it was one GP practice have, they did the drive-through vaccines so Dr Mike Thompson who spoke to us yesterday from the Immokili Medical Centre he was the first one with that idea when he started that last year for the flu uh, jab well it looks like people have picked up on, on his idea and the and these over 85 year olds came in their cars you know being driven by somebody else and they literally rolled up the car door was open they rolled up their sleeve the injection was given and then they drove to another area where they stayed in the car for 15 minutes being monitored by another doctor and a nurse and then they were allowed to go home but they never didn't have to leave their car at all I thought it was a, a terrific idea and seemingly they got through they were able to vaccinate a lot more people by doing it that way but changes in the vaccination timeline for at-risk groups we're expecting to hear news of that in the coming week because the Taoiseach Neil Martin, he was speaking in the Dáil on it yesterday and he said that updated advice from the National Immunisation Advisory Committee uh, was expected sometime next week. It was the leaders' questions he was getting bombarded. I mean, if we're getting constantly asked when from, from our own listeners, did we have any idea, did we have any information on when people would expect to get the vaccines? You can imagine that every single TD in this country is fielding phone calls from constituents saying, do you know when I'm going to get my vaccine? So there was questions yesterday put to the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, and he did say yesterday that family carers and those that have severe medical need were among those who needed to be moved up the priority list. Now, it is a topic we're going to be discussing later on the programme today. Uh, The Minister has, and I'm assuming he means the Health Minister, has written to the National Immunisation Advisory Committee on the sequencing. Micheál Martin said it's his understanding that they're going to respond and and there will be a new list and a new priority list. Micheál Martin says we're of the view that those who are immune suppressed, have conditions like Parkinson's, have conditions like cystic fibrosis, that they should 
be prioritised because they are the group of people if they contracted the disease they would be at much greater risk. Then he said the government will consider the sequencing when the immunisation committee when their recommendation was made and I know the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald said that family carers were the forgotten people of the pandemic and she reckoned that the immunisation advisory committee had been wrong to leave the carers out of the first stages of the vaccination. She said they've spent a year avoiding most of normal life to protect the medically vulnerable people that they care for and as every carer uh, will tell you their greatest fear is if they became sick and they ended up having to go to hospital who then is going to care for the person that they are caring for. So good to hear the Taoiseach yesterday mentioning not only the severely uh, those people who are medically vulnerable but also mentioning family carers. 1850 John Paul taking your calls or you can text to 0862 103 103 and Miriam in Bandon on about the leaving search she has two teachers that, two children that are teachers and she feels both of her children feel that their own te- the teachers unions are a disgrace she, fe- she feels that the teachers unions went against everything what the students wanted and what the education minister was working uh, towards and she was working towards giving students a choice which is what students were calling from from day one when, when we looked like they were going to be out of school and that it was going to affect their uh, leaving search thankfully says Miriam it has worked out but she says to think the teachers unions were trying to block this a very unfair move. Thank you for your call to 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Now according to Women's Aid females who are not living with their partners are at particular risk of increased digital and online abuse especially during the COVID-19 lockdowns to discuss a campaign called Two Into You which was launched this week I'm joined by Sarah Benson CEO of uh, Women's Aid Good morning to you Sarah Good morning Patricia Good morning to you And you're very welcome to the programme Now during the pandemic there has and rightly been a lot of focus on domestic violence and women who are not safe living with an abusive partner but this type of abuse that you're highlighting this week is different Can you just explain the format that it takes? Sure. I think the the key thing that we wanted to make sure that we highlighted as part of the Two Into You campaign, which is running from Valentine's Day until uh, International Women's Day, March the 8th, is that you don't have to be living with um, your uh, your partner and you indeed can be separated from your partner and abuse can continue. And this is particularly um, about shining a light on the experience of younger adults, 18 to 25, and particularly young women who more commonly will not be living with their uh, abusive partners. But sadly, our research from late last year showed that one in five uh, women uh, will have experienced some form of abuse from a current or former partner by the time they reach their 25th birthday and 51% of them the abuse will have started before they are 18 years of age and this particular group uh, can be at an even heightened uh, risk of abuse that takes its form using online means so digital technology using using social media platforms and also including uh, such really appalling uh, abuse behaviours such as image-based sexual abuse which has has previously sometimes been known as revenge porn but that's quite a misleading concept uh, because it implies that somebody has done something for which they deserve some form of revenge which is not the case at all. So image-based sexual abuse is where an intimate image may have been um, shared consensually 
or taken without someone's consent um, and then is uh, is shared you know, with other individuals or on platforms completely without the consent of the person who's featured in the, it could be a picture or a video. Um, and so that can have devastating effects on, on a female. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I want to acknowledge that these forms of abuse can also impact men as well and you know, trans and non-binary people, but it is a very gendered issue. It, it very disproportionately impacts women. And actually the impacts on women um, have shown to be more um, uh, devastating. And, and largely that is because the level of victim blaming and judgment and stigma that is put on um, women uh, in these situations where, in fact, they have done nothing wrong at all. Um, maybe they have shared in trust with a, whom they thought was a trusted partner, you know, uh, an intimate exchange. And during lockdown, you know, where dating um, has has been, you know, very, very difficult, you know, for those who aren't in the same household, things have moved more online. And that uh, that breach of trust um, is, is perhaps a, a higher likelihood of happening. And it can absolutely devastate somebody you know women report from studies you know um being being completely you know plunged into states of utter constant anxiety distress giving up their work dropping out of college in some cases even suffering suicide ideation because of the consequences of this um this betrayal and one of the things that we want to highlight is that just last week a piece of legislation which is known as coco's law um which is in memory of a young woman, Nicole Fox Coco, who died uh, tragically by suicide after uh, online abuse and bullying, um, is that this new legislation has now come into force. It, it increases the penalties and makes it more clear that online abuse and harassment is an offence, but very particularly it also makes image-based sexual abuse an offence. And that's regardless of whether the person who shares the image does so vindictively, you know, to try and deliberately hurt somebody else or if they do it completely reckless of the absolute havoc that they can cause to somebody else's life. So it doesn't matter one way or the other. Uh, it is now a crime and so we want to let anyone People who's know. suffering know that it's yeah. out there and also p- potential perpetrators as well. And uh, and outside of sharing intimate uh, photographs or, or videos, some of this abuse is it's controlling, isn't it? Even though somebody isn't living with the person, they can be thousands of miles away, but the abuse can be very controlled. The abuse can be very controlling of the other person. Absolutely. I mean, what we refer to as coercive control and emotional, psychological abuse, these are unfortunately forms of abuse which have always existed and they kind of form the backbone of what an abusive relationship is and digital technology hasn't replaced those tactics but it has uh, given another um, set of tools to somebody who wishes to monitor, to isolate, uh, to constantly track, um, to constantly communicate with somebody uh, in order to kind of control them, to know what they're doing, and in some cases isolate them from family and friends. So being bombarded with text messages, constantly being messaged, say, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you talking to? Um, oh, I see from your Facebook that you, you've been somewhere. You didn't say you were going there, you know. So actually, you know, causing somebody to know that they're being watched even if they aren't actually in the presence of that person. It's a really insidious um, and it can be all invasive because, unfortunately, social media is always on and it's such a an integrated core component of um, in nearly everybody's life now, but very particularly younger people. And so, you know, sometimes it's suggested, oh, well, if somebody is bothering you, you know, just switch off. Well, that's not fair. Why should somebody have yeah. to cut off? You know, and uh, do, do you feel some, some women may not even identify it as abuse? They may not even realise they're being abused. 
Well, I mean, I think our, our research showed very troublingly that, you know, for, you know, of the one in five women who had suffered abuse from a current or former partner, 51% for them it was before the age of 18. Now, that, that means that it's very likely that those were perhaps their first intimate relationship. They're certainly very early on in what, you know, they are experiencing as what ought to be, you know, respectful, loving, mutual relationships. If they're abusive, you know, and they haven't had the experience of other relationships or other long-term relationships, sometimes these kind of behaviours can be uh, misunderstood in the first instance as, you know, someone being very attentive, somebody being really caring, you know, somebody who's really, really into me. And that's where, you know, our campaign Two Into You, which has a dedicated website, twointoyou.ie, comes from, is, you know, it can start feeling almost romantic. You know, they just want to be with me. And, you know, yeah, they don't want my friends around because they just want to be with me. And, you know, and that makes me feel special. But then it starts straying into territory of, well, you know, I don't want to have to be responding within two minutes to every call. And, and when I get a follow-up text going, you know, why haven't you replied? You know, there are warning signs there um, that can be very hard to read. And on the Two Into You website, we have a, a test, which is, is you know, it's, for anybody of any gender or sex uh, to just do a little health check on their relationship if they're starting to feel like is this straying into the territory of controlling behaviour is it no longer romantic um, are they not respecting my choices my space my decisions and um, you know starting to, to, to see that those red flags might be there and um, also offering you know um, the fact that we have our helpline available we have an instant messaging service we also act as a referral to all of the services around the country, including all of those based in Cork. So that there's help there just to even start to tease out, is my relationship one that's straying into dangerous territory or am I already at risk and what can I do? OK, I actually went on to the website to take a look at it during the week. It's excellent. It's a really, really good uh, website uh, to interview. Uh, and Sarah, just finally, before I let you go, we had a very uh, distressing email in from one of our listeners earlier on in the week who's in a really physically abusive uh, situation. I mean, it was just shocking with uh, two young children, you know, and, and, you know, she said in in her email, you know, I've nowhere to go. I, I, I you know, and she was looking for help and advice. And obviously we gave her the numbers of all of the the helplines. Is it is, is it particularly hard now during the pandemic to get out of situations like that? I suppose before saying anything else, I would say is, is please don't suffer in silence because you think that there aren't options there and there isn't help there. You know, there is, there are supports there. There is, as you said, National Helpline. There are local services in um, in most counties. Um, but yes, it would be it would be correct to say that the COVID nineteen pandemic has made things harder. It has it has sometimes reduced opportunities for making safe contact with somebody who could be of support and assistance. It has, uh, you know, some, we have had women phoning us from their garden sheds, from their showers, from their cars, you know, to try and hide the noise. The instant messaging service has been a great resource for women who can communicate silently. Um, but at the same time, you know, we recognise there's challenges, but but we also recognise that the Gardaí have, for example, made domestic violence a core policing priority. We have seen the refuges around the country collaborate with agencies like Airbnb and some of the local authorities to try and ensure that, you know, where they have reduced capacity due to, to health and safety restrictions, that there may be other overflow options, you know, which, if suitable, could be offered to somebody who needs to flee their situation. So we'd say never, no, never suffer in silence because you think there isn't something there. We do recognise it's difficult. Uh, assessing risk is very important. 
But if somebody feels that they are in immediate danger, we would always say if you can make one phone call, make it 999 or 112 because, you know, your health, your safety, that of your children, if you have children, you know, um, it's not your fault what's happening. You, you, you know, these are criminal behaviours and uh, to, to reach out and seek okay. that assistance. OK, listen, thank you for that, um, Sarah. And your number, of course, one eight hundred three four one nine hundred. Thanks so much. OK, Sarah, thank you and a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Sarah Benson, who is CEO of Women's Aid. 1850 333103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And just can I, I've just seen some of the calls that are coming up on on our screens uh, from people over the age of 85, including Rita in Formoya was on uh, to say, will Patricia ever stop saying that people over the age of five are receiving their vaccines? Uh, we've, we've heard nothing in Formoy and John in Mallow was on to say he ended up bringing his doctor yesterday to be told no vaccines in Mallow uh, this week it'll be next week before they uh, receive them and yes Rita you haven't been forgotten about it's a very small number have been vaccinated this week but it's going to be over the next three weeks that everybody over the age of 85 so your doctor will contact you it just means your particular doctor's practice where you will be receiving your vaccine they, they just haven't got the date yet of when they're getting it in but it'll either be next week or the week after so yes not every person over the age of, over the age of 85 just a small cohort of which they've started with this week Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Now, many listeners with underlying health conditions have contacted us worried about because they don't know when they will receive their COVID-19 vaccine. Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North Central, Padraig O'Sullivan, has raised concerns in the Dáil on this issue and he joins me. Good morning to you, Padraig. Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. Isn't it fair to say for some the vaccination can actually be the difference between life and death? No, I think you're, you're spot on. I suppose in the case of cystic fibrosis sufferers or people with kidney disease or people on dialysis, they definitely have serious chronic illnesses. And um, I suppose the reassurance that having the vaccine would bring those people, you know, would be quite, at least it would bring them certainty. Um, you know, there are a lot of people concerned, as you said. Um, my own office, we've had uh, many representations in from people with those two specific conditions. And I suppose, look, government is listening, but government is aware that you know, there's a limited number of vaccines, but it has tasked NIHEC now with undertaking a review, which is due to happen over the next few days. Because many of those people with like the conditions you, you mentioned there and a whole string of other conditions, any of the lung conditions, uh, people with um, emphysemia, alpha-1, uh, so many people have been almost prisoners in their own home because they're, they're shielding to protect themselves from getting COVID. So they really do need to be prioritised. Yeah, look, as you said, those Specific illnesses would, you know, people would be very suspect to the the effects of COVID and even the people caring for them as well. You know, there would be an argument that they would also need to be considered for vaccinations. Um, so, look, government, as I said, is aware of it and has agreed to a review a number of weeks ago when we spoke to Stephen Donnelly on the floor of the Dáil. He agreed that NIAC, which is the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, would review its prioritisation. And look, that, as I said, that will be announced in the, in the coming days. So you reckon once all the over 70s are vaccinated, which we're looking at that they should be fully fa- fully vaccinated by mid-May uh, is, is the date that they're hoping to have them all fully vaccinated. So you reckon the next will hopefully be those with the underlying health conditions? Yeah, I 
suppose, look, it would be unfair of me to come on on radio and give people false hope, and that's not what I, you know, anybody would want to do. But I suppose it must be said that you know everything in regards to the virus and everything in regards to vaccination is kind of fluid. And I, so, I suppose, look, the HSC and the government has probably come in from for criticism over the last number of months in terms of the vaccination <clears throat> and the whole process. But it, it also needs to be acknowledged that we've essentially used all the vaccines that we have actually had delivered in the country. We have over 90% of the vaccines that have been delivered have been utilised. We're one of the, I suppose, more proactive countries in Europe in terms of delivering the vir- the vaccine. Although, look, we, we, we would want much more of it, you know, and that, that's, that's the main aim to get, I suppose, increased number of vaccines in the country so we can distribute them more efficiently. But when it comes to prioritisation, 93% of all people that have died, and there's over 4,000 people at this stage that have died from the virus, 93% of those people have been over the age of 65. So I do think, despite all those criticisms that people might have about the HSC and the government in terms of vaccine delivery, um, the facts speak for themselves that older people are, are more suspect to this virus than anybody. And I, I, I don't apologise for the government prioritising older people in, in that regard. And, and I, don't, right I don't think anyone is c- critical of the government for prioritising that group because you are right, they are yeah. the ones who are more the most seriously affected and it's where the greatest loss of life is. So no one is critical of that. Porik, I think what people are critical of, we don't have enough vaccines in this country. We've relied too much on the EU and the EU appear to have got it wrong when it came to the ordering of the vaccine. Yeah, no, look, and, and, and I'd agree with you to a certain extent on that. And I suppose the thing is, as I said, with the whole vaccination process, everything is kind of fluid. You know, yesterday we did get another announcement that there would be an additional, um, I think, one and a half million um, doses of AstraZeneca brought into the country. Um, and I think everything's constantly changing. And, like, there's, you know, there's uh, theories out there that, as the UK will say, progressively gets through its own vaccination process, then any excess doses that they would have could be distributed to Ireland or perhaps other EU countries as well. Um, yeah, but have we made the call to Boris? Has anybody rang Boris to say, yes, we will willingly take any excess uh, do, uh, vaccines? They've ordered something like 407 million. They have ordered enough to vaccinate their entire population twice, four times over. So they know they're going to have excess vaccines. But do we need to make the call to say, look to us, your nearest neighbours, please? Look, I, I can't confirm if the call has been made, but if 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 it hasn't, then it should. You know, I, like as as other TDs would have spoken about previously, wherever we get the vaccines from, I don't have an issue with it. The priority is just to get vaccines, to get them administered, to get the jabs into people's arms, and whether that's from the British or whether it's it's from other pharmaceutical companies, I do believe that we just need to do what needs to be done in terms of getting the virus out to the population. Because what you, what you said earlier is correct. Once the vaccines land in this country, we are very good at distributing them and getting them out. Yeah, no, and to be fair, credit is due to, you know, all GPs, people in, working in pharmacies, the HSC in general, like we we are performing well in terms of administering them. Look, there, there are still kind of difficulties in the system. Like, I, I think it needs to be also mentioned that, you know, there's still 181 outbreaks in nursing homes currently. Um, and and those types of outbreaks and those types of reoccurrences of the virus, particularly in those settings, is is very concerning as well. Albeit those numbers are declining, and even the number of people who staff those nursing homes in particular, there's still 1,100 of those people out because of the ill effects of COVID. Um, now that number is declining as well as the national number is declining. So look, things are going in the right direction again. 
Um, but look, people do want certainty. I, like, I was watching RT News yesterday and, you know, even speaking to other TDs here, and I suppose the sense of relief that people get when they get the vaccine, particularly elderly people, it is, you know, almost, it, it's like gifting them back their life. As you said, many of those people have cocooned for the best part of 12 months. Um, and it's great to see that kind of delight at getting the vaccine. It's almost giving them some kind of sense of freedom back. So, Okay, so the more vaccines we get into the country, no matter where we get them from, uh, the better. Okay, listen, Porik, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning thanks. to you. That is Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North Central, uh, Podrick uh, O'Sullivan. Joe in Dumamwe is wondering, where is the lovely Dr. Tony Houlihan? Joe says, I try not to watch the news on TV, but I do catch up on the RTE website. I haven't heard his name for a while. Is he okay? Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, has he not been at any of the press conferences? I'll have to look into that. I thought I saw in a press conference uh, last week. But but you're right. It's, it's certainly when I'm calling out things that, you know, Neffet have said or when I'm going through the papers, I don't see his name as much. Maybe he's taking a time out again. I don't know. Um, we'll see if we can find out where he is. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Another listener wants to know, is there any First Holy Communions this year? I know I was chatting in the office with uh, John Paul before we came on air this morning and he was saying that the bishop has... Uh, Bishop Crean has told people not to families of communion and confirmation not to be going out buying the outfits so that would lead you to believe that there's not going to be First Holy Communions or confirmation in the traditional way uh, certainly they're not going to be held for the foreseeable future does that mean they're, they're being cancelled this year I don't know if any schools have made decisions probably too early for the schools and the fact that they're not in school they can't be preparing for it either so I haven't heard if any schools have stepped up and made the decision that yay or nay they are going ahead or they're not going ahead but uh, I know we're hoping to have a chat with the Bishop as to his thinking uh, on it but he certainly has advised families not to be buying outfits for First Holy Communions or Confirmations this year. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. It's a lady who doesn't want me to call out her name which is fine but I have her name and number here saying Patricia I'm wondering if you could inquire of your listeners please uh, is there anyone in the Clonakilty area to fix a television for an elderly person living on their own I would be very grateful for a reply as this person is feeling extremely lonely and isolated uh, without having a television anybody f- repairing TVs in the Clonakilty area as I say we have this lady who is contacting us on behalf of this elderly person living on their own uh, we have that lady's number if anybody can help us out on that one please do 1850 333 and a couple of people have been on about posting letters and cards and showing that things must be are certainly getting better because obviously we've come out of the madness of Christmas even though still the postal services are very busy but where is the text here from Jer to say I posted two letters last Wednesday in Mallow one to Galway and one to Farron 4 in Kerry now the one in Galway that arrived the following day. Went Wednesday, it arrived Thursday. The one to Farron Forth didn't arrive until uh, Monday. Uh, and by the way, says Ger, the post office in Bellevue in Mallow is an absolute godsend and they have absolutely gorgeous staff. They do indeed. It's a post office. I know well I was only in there yesterday, actually. I'll keep a, a track now on a parcel. 
that I needed to send over to uh, England. So, and it was my first time posting since Brexit and I just handed in the parcel. I tell you, it was the poor woman working inside in the post office I had to type everything up on these two big stickers that had to go on the parcel. So I'm, I'm, I'm awaiting with interest to see how quickly that that will arrive. And I, but I firmly believe that the postal service in this country works really well. It's when it gets out of the country there can be a tendency for, for delays because certainly we do appear to be getting a lot of next day delivery which is fantastic we're, we're back at that situation and Pat Infomoy is backing up that because he said I sent a parcel on Tuesday to Dunmanway and it arrived the following day Wednesday and then on Tuesday my grandchildren sent us a postcard and that arrived on Wednesday so in both cases for both the parcel and for the postcard, it was same. It was the next day delivery, and I'm assuming your grandchildren were sending on one of those. Was it one of the free postcards? They're fantastic, aren't they? And actually, if you if they haven't arrived into your house, if you're in the post office, a lot of the post offices have them. You can just pick them up, and they're they're free to post anywhere in Ireland. Though they've got to be posted uh, in uh, Ireland. Pat says it. This is on vaccines. It does seem in a few months' time that we will be swamped with vaccines. Yeah, and there will come a time where we will be absolutely swamped with vaccines. And people have no. I think patience. People, we all need to learn patience. I think people just want the vaccines now. They don't want to be told you're going to get them getting them next month, or you don't want to be told you're getting them in July. You want them now. But so, but there will come a time when we will have way too many vaccines in this country. Pat is saying, particularly when the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, arrives, the one they're all saying is the game changer because it's a one jab vaccine which can be stored in a fridge. It doesn't need to be stored in a freezer like the Pfizer and Moderna uh, ones uh, need to be. Uh, anyway, Pat's suggestion is when we get our allocation for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine could we not consider giving those vaccines to the third world countries? Surely we should be vaccinating those countries also as in the future we don't need new variants of COVID-19 coming on stream. Um, We need to a new variants that might come on stream from these other third world countries that would not be covered by our vaccines. So does that need to be looked at? We need to look after those in third world countries. And there has been a saying right from the very start when we knew vaccines were coming on, we're not all safe until everyone is safe. And that means everybody in the world. And Pat, it's interesting that you're mentioning that today because the wonderful Dr. Uh, Michael Ryan, you know, the Irish guy who is one of the leads with the World Health Organization. And you'll often see him on the press conferences that the World Health Organizations uh, give. He was out yesterday saying that Ireland must look at sharing some of our COVID-19 vaccines with uh, poorer uh, countries. And he said the world's richer countries need to share He says a small slice of the cake with those who are way down the uh, chain. And uh, he said that he was saying that we that he when talking about the vaccines, he said we have to accept that every government has a sovereign duty to protect their own most vulnerable people. And he went on to talk about he's got his own aunts and uncle and his own mother who he said, I can't wait for them to be vaccinated and he's hoping that they'll be vaccinated. But he said the moral hazard for Ireland and not just Ireland, he said other countries right across Europe and indeed across the world, he said is once the vulnerable individuals are covered in society, he said we must then as countries begin to share uh, with those in the world that we don't, who don't have access who don't have access to the vaccine and just share some of it. And that's where he said it's just a small slice of the cake for those who are further down the chain. And I know there's a, a figure out showing that I think is there 86 uh, countries in third world countries who haven't um, uh, 
they have had no vaccines yet. 86 have no vaccines at all and the vast majority of the vaccines that are available are going to the uh, the high income countries. So he certainly is saying that we need to be looking to the rest of the world and kind of backing up what Pat is uh, saying. We're not all safe until everyone is uh, safe and that means the uh, entire world. Uh, thank you for your text, uh, Pat. 1850 333 103. Uh, Stephanie says, uh, morning, uh, Patricia, you need to have great patience to do your uh, job. I can't believe some of the negativity that you're receiving this morning, particularly from people giving out uh, saying when were they over the age of 85, when are they getting their vaccines? Are these people not listening to every other news source uh, out there? Everyone is saying that the vaccines, we have to wait for the vaccines to arrive and once the vaccines arrive you will receive them. People need to be a bit more uh, realistic. Yes, we will all get the vaccine in time, but we all need to be a little bit more uh, patient. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. That's uh, from uh, Stephanie. A home help is on from West Cork says we've had no call yet about the uh, vaccines. And yesterday when I mentioned home helps because we got on to the HSE who couldn't say when all of the home helps were going to be getting the vaccines. We had a call in yesterday from home helps in the Jofa was the North Cork area or specifically the Mallow area saying most of them have been uh, vaccinated. So there is a rollout but again it's all dependent on when the vaccines um, actually arrive uh, 1850 333 103 then on uh, this is on the leaving cert couple of texts in on that and on education this is this is one from is there a name on this this is one from Mark Mark says Patricia I don't understand what all the fuss is about the students with regard to the leaving certificate every time you open a newspaper you turn on a radio or you turn on the TV that's all they're on about students feeling very stressed out a girl was on the news the other day saying that her mental health was being affected as they didn't know whether they should study for the exams or not. Am I missing something here, says Mark, whether it is this year or whether they'll have to end up doing the exams uh, next year? What's the problem? Study now, learn it. Even if the exam doesn't happen for another 12 months at least, you have to be prepared. You can never have too much knowledge. And it's not as if they can do anything else during lockdown except study. Sorry now, I just don't understand what all this commotion is about. Enjoying your programme, that is from Mark. Thank you for that, Mark. And Michael says, Patricia, the Department of Education and the teachers have a lot to answer for. The Minister, oh, this is strong coming from Michael in Castletown Bear, should step down. My, Michael feels not fit for purpose. Cancelling the junior search could be the most disrespectful thing that could have been done to those students. The lack of it throws their whole educational cycle out of kilter. All those half-baked statements on the junior search are an insult to them. Vaccinate all of the teachers. End of story. Vaccinate them. Get them back into the classroom. Uh, again, it is the teachers first and not the students. They're holding the government to ransom. This is a very, very, this is very, very sad behaviour. Is this the beginning of the end of the junior Certificate cycle, ponders Michael. Anything that is accredited comes from an accrediting body. In this case, I beg to ask the question, who is the accrediting body? And that's the for the accredited grades. And I'm assuming that's what Michael is referring to there. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Another listener wants to know, when will Ahamilla, the GAA complex in Clonakilty, when will they start to issue uh, vaccinations? 
um, when the vaccinations are available. And I still think that a lot of those vaccination centres that got announced during the week, I think a lot of them will not be up and running until we are ready to vaccinate the general population. Now we know because we heard from Dr Mike he's involved with the one in, in CIT uh, and the reason that that's up and running from is it this Saturday the following Saturday they're bringing a number of smaller GP practices together and they're having a mass vaccination clinic in CIT and they're doing it for the over 85s and I imagine that's what will happen with a lot of the other age cohorts as well but when they're when they will all be up and running I don't think it's going to happen until we get to the stage of we're vaccinating the general population but I could be proven wrong uh, with that uh, Tim says Patricia Porico Sullivan Deputy Porico Sullivan who you spoke with in uh, the last hour uh, gave you said said yesterday we received information that we will receive 1.5 million more AstraZeneca vaccines. It's the Moderna vaccine that we will be getting and by the way they won't start kicking in until the second half of the year and he should know that and it was also uh, when I put it to Porico Sullivan has anybody thought about Ring and Boris because they're going to be flooded with vaccines because they've put in so many orders in the United Kingdom Heidi says good morning uh, I do believe that the Britons did offer the vaccines but I think we refused it I, yeah that was back when they started vaccinating which remember they were well ahead of the curve on the start of the vaccinations they did say when they got all of their vulnerable cohort covered there was a suggestion made that they would be willing to share them with Ireland I remember at the time it was something to do with the EU wasn't it but I think that's all gone slightly out the window now when you see what other countries Hungary who's part of the EU they went straight to Russia and bought the Sputnik vaccine and brought it in and we know Germany did a side deal with Pfizer to get 30 million extra for the German people so it looks like what was initially no one could go outside the EU does seem to have been a bit pushed away when people are screaming looking for uh, vaccines but I'll be interested to see uh, will anyone in government pick up on what Paul O'Sullivan said to us on the programme and will somebody put that call through to Boris to say hiya Boris we're your neighbours here if you have any spare vaccines send them across the Irish Sea. 1850 John Paul Tech your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. An Arctic driver with an up-to-date CPC and digital tachograph card wanted. While a mature person is wanted to look after a two-year-old girl that's in the child's own home that's in the Mallow area. Part-time stores person wanted that's for distribution centre in Quartertown. And a salesperson is wanted for a pet store in Bandon. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now Michael Kingston is a lawyer from Goleen who has often joined us on the programme, especially to discuss things of a maritime nature. But this morning he joins me to discuss the plight of his friend who has been detained in in China and is desperate to get home to his wife and young family. And Michael Kingston joins me with more on this. Good morning to you, Michael. 
Good morning, Patricia. This is such a shocking story, I have to say, and I've been watching it from afar and I've been picking up on pieces on his wife in particular when she's given interviews and the odd bit that's been in the paper. But there hasn't been, I think, as much focus on this story that I think that there should be. Your friend's name is Richard O'Halloran. And I suppose, firstly, start by telling me your connection to Richard and how long you've been friends and where you met and all of that. Um, well, Richard, we were in college together in Dublin, um, Patricia, in the back in the um, nineteen ninety, early nineteen nineties. Um, the O'Hall um, Richards um, family had um, earlier connections with my family, in that um, a lot of my uh, ancestral um, family emigrated from Dunmanus in 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 north of Goline in West Cork, Dunmanus Bay to work on in in East London and the O'Hall uh, the Fitzgeralds were also there at that time um and then the families knew each other there and then returned to Ireland um my family to to County Cork and and the Fitzgeralds um to Dublin and um sort of we rekindled a relationship years later when I was in college in Dublin um and Richard was um also in college at the, at the same time in the 1990s. And it's a strong friendship because you have the honour of being godfather to one of his children. And that's right. His son, Ben, is um, is is my um, godson. And um, at the moment, you know, obviously they're going through a terrible ordeal because um, he has been in China for two years. I mean, not two days or two weeks or two months, but detained in China for two years, which is staggering. And, um, and I mean, I'll probably discuss some further details with you in a minute, but also he's no ordinary family. And that's not to say that, you know, we as a nation should stand up for every individual um, abroad, as we did at the beginning of the COVID pandemic when we brought all individuals back that were caught in Latin America and all over the world. Richard's um, uh, mother is the niece of the former Taoiseach of Ireland, Garrett Fitzgerald, wow. and he's the great grandson of Desmond Fitzgerald, the founder of the of the one of the founders of the Irish nation who fought in 1916. And so, for him to be um, detained in China for two years is, is pretty it's, staggering. It's shocking. It's shocking. And, and as I said earlier when, when I teed up that you would be coming on the programme, he, he's one of our own. We need to be looking after this man and we need to get him back home. Can you outline why Richard was detained in China? And it's since March of 2019, so it's coming up to uh, the second anniversary of his, of his detention. Can you just explain the background to it? Well, I mean, it's, it, it boils down to, um, it boils down to um, commercial... Um, funding for an aeroplane. Um, so um, he works for Cal's um, Ireland Limited, which is a subsidiary of a Chinese um, aviation company um, who are, who eighty percent of the world's aviation, um, believe it or not, is actually registered in Dublin because of our um, corporation tax regime, and and we've built up a massive capability in that area. So a lot of the world's um, airlines have a base in Ireland, um, a subsidiary. So he was asked to run Cal's Ireland as director. Um, and prior to his um, involvement in the company, 
the owners in China had raised funds through crowdfunding pub- from from the public, and um, after he became director, the Chinese decided to clamp down on on crowdfunding for corporations. And it was retrospectively deemed to be illegal, and so the owner in China was um, was questioned, and um, and and then criminal proceedings were brought against him. And Richard um, was caught up in the middle of it, and perhaps in hindsight um, he shouldn't have, but went to. He went um, to try to sort it out in good faith. Yeah, and and and, and they detained him, and he gave evidence in. In the in was asked to give evidence, and the prosecutor. There was no charges against him for any any wrongdoing. He always acted um, in accordance with um, with Irish corporate corporate law in the running of of the arm of the company in in, in Ireland. Um, the prosecutor said that he should be free to return to Ireland, but the judge um, is holding him and demanding that that the the plane that they're running under this company. Be um, handed over, and they can't. He can't do that because there's a there's a mortgage on it, um, and it is um, it's leased to Finnair, and he can't just willy nilly con- in contravention of normal legal process hand the hand the plane over um, to the Chinese and authorities. He's, and, it's illegal. and therefore, he's caught up in in the middle of it. He's got a, a wife, and it's four young children, isn't it? Back here in Ireland, Michael. Correct. So he's being held to ransom, and so this has now gone on for, for for two years. So I mean, basically, it's it's a breach of his. He's been detained in a foreign country, and it's a fundamental breach of his um, of his human of his human rights. So um, the Chinese are arguing that he can hand this plane over. He can't. That's the the legal position. He simply can't do that. And and. Um, and what I've done is um, used whatever influence I may have with some of the international bodies that I work with in 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 in, in every effort that I can, for what it's worth, um, um, leverage with the Chinese ambassador in Ireland, citing you know our respect for China and so on in in a diplomatic way, without going into the ins and outs of of the, the, the legality yeah. surrounding the airplanes, asking on the basis of humanity that. Um, that I be given uh, um, passage to China to to help Richard um, because the sort big, these the, issues out. The other major issue here, uh, Michael, that we haven't touched on is Richard has health issues. Yes, he suffers from um, from um, a weakness of the lungs and a serious condition called alpha on antitrypsin, um, which which gives. Um, Triggers severe asthma, and and um, you know his lungs. Effectively, he had two major operations when we were in college back in the nineteen nineties on his lungs, and he he um, you know he looks fit and healthy, but that's a massive underlying condition. And of course, we all we all remember the fear um, this time last year in the onset of the of the um, COVID nineteen pandemic and looking on the television at the China. situation yeah. in China and there Richard was sort of a year in at that stage, um, holed up in a, in a hotel room in fear of his life that he was going to catch COVID nineteen. So he's had to endure all of all of that as well. And in from um, a mental health point of view, how is he doing? Well, to be honest with you, not very well. Um, he's turned a corner and strengthened. 
a bit of late, but he was in a de- desperate situation, you know, around the time when I um, wrote to the Chinese ambassador last June, and um, he, he, but he's he 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 was not in was not in a in in a good state, and and you know it was very difficult for him to to watch, um, frankly. Um, Aer Lingus planes bringing PPE equipment in from China um, to great applaud and the Irish Taoiseach on the phone to the president of China in a sort of big PR exercise surrounding all of that and no word about his own circumstances. So, and the know, Irish government are aware of Richard's case? Yes, they are. And um, the latest position is that um, um, Michael McDowell has threatened to open up a big debate in the Dáil, um, sorry, in the Shannon, um, but he's been told to hold back by the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, um, because Simon Coveney has indicated that there are discussions at a delicate stage. Um, What we've heard over month after month is that there's consular assistance being provided, but, you know, it hasn't got anywhere, so... Michael McDowell, in good faith, um, has put that debate back by t- by um, two weeks. That happened on on on, on Monday, um, but you know there there better be a result between that um, now and then because you know it's a, it's it's a very dangerous um, situation, and, and Richard's and you, um, well-being you, can't hold out forever. You have got you've written to the ambassador in Ireland because you want to go to Shanghai. Yes, and so in in um, I've taken Richard has lawyers working on this in Dublin, and they've they've and, and a team of advisors and a very legalistic approach has been employed regarding surrounding the airplane and and his technical legal position. But I have intervened on behalf of his family on a humanitarian basis. I've been very respectful to the Chinese by saying that I'm not going to get into the ins and outs and the rights and wrongs of what's going on, but on a humanitarian basis and in light of international humanitarian um, law and on behalf of his family, who his elderly mother is not obviously not able to go and his wife can't because she's looking after her four children. On behalf of the family, I have requested passage to be with him to help sort sort the situation out um and i originally wrote last uh, last june i didn't receive a response i chased that up um before christmas and again uh, last week and which you're aware of and now i've actually i'm in engagement now with the chinese embassy i'm due to have a telephone call with them today and we'll see where we get to because you need it's, very, a, it's a visa is it you need a visa to travel there Yes, and yeah. I need um, a letter of invitation from the People's Republic of of uh, representatives of, of of Shanghai. But I mean, the purpose of the the last thing I want to do, and I'm sure everyone um, will will understand that, is to have to travel to China. Mm-hmm. But if I have to, I will. But it's helping to leverage pressure at this moment in time and highlight the humanitarian aspects of which I work on on other issues internationally to let the Chinese ambassador know that, you know, we in Ireland understand humanitarian law and that we we are prepared to stand up for our fellow uh, citizens. So it's helping to exert pressure at this moment in time. So hopefully 
I won't have to travel to okay. Shanghai. But and if he's I on, do have to travel, I will. And uh, Primetime have have got an interview with Richard. It's it's and it'll be the first time that Richard gets the opportunity to address the Irish people. It's it's on tonight. Yes, I saw You're, that earlier yeah. today. So we wait to see. Um, we wait to see, um, you know, what what happens. But I mean, either way, whether there are legalities involved or not, you know, the nation should be stepping in. And it's not unusual to give a letter of guarantee to the Chinese um, that, you know, or or even a bond for the value of, of, of the aeroplane while the issues are sorted out with Richard back here in Ireland. Yeah. We can bring, bring back people allegedly involved in ISIS from uh, Jordan and and... And 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 the, and the Middle East and people from all over uh, all over the world and you know it's not rocket science from a government point of view to be able to step in and and bring an Irish citizen home to his family who who has in fact done nothing wrong. Tough on the children because they're they're too young probably to even fully understand what's going on. Uh, it's very tough on the children. I mean, you know, everyone listening, if they can imagine that their father walked out the door in the morning and, you know, they don't see him for two years and their mother having to explain that to them. His his um, youngest daughter, you know, sleeps with a picture of him at night. Oh. And, you know, it's been... I mean, when this went on for two months, it was tough. Uh, and, and then sort of it turned into six months and then 12 months. And here we are two years later. So, you know, incredible. Ireland, also, Patricia, it's important to remember that we made a big fanfare about becoming um, a member of the Security Council of the United Nations, which was granted to Ireland um, back in September, I think it was, or October. Um, which is basically the sort of overseer of, of what's going on in the world. It's looking at things like in uh, Myanmar at the moment and the coup that's going on there. And and so we're at the top table of um, keeping an eye on humanitarian issues. But, you know, we need to get our own house in yeah. order. I know. And I know one of the things that uh, Richard speaks about in the interview tonight, he talks about, you know, how difficult it is to explain to uh, a little five-year-old girl who's now seven that daddy's not coming home for your birthday, your communion, your confirmation, is not coming home for Christmas. It's, it's, it's a dreadful situation. OK, listen, Michael, we'll stay in contact with you on this one. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. And, and good luck with your endeavours. Thank thanks, you, Patricia. Thanks Take for joining care. us. So bye-bye. Bye-bye. That bye-bye. is uh, Michael Kingston, uh, a maritime lawyer in Goline. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And by the way, you can start texting or WhatsApping us your name and address if you want to take part in Ken's Pure Cork Quiz, your chance to win some money after news at uh, 12. So get texting if you want to take part today. 0862 103 103 with your name and uh, address. I'm going to Formoy Guard the station for this week's Guard the Fire with Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And, Thank uh, you very much. Well, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, I'm really interested to hear about this new community policing project that you're involved with. And I believe it's been trialled here in the North Cork area. This is the idea with the iPads. 
Uh, correct, Patricia. I, and I would emphasise again, it's Cork North only at the moment. Uh, the districts of Mallow and uh, Fermoy are being used um, as a pilot project, really. You know, it's been used in uh, one district above in Dublin as well. But basically what it means is that uh, we're the first new country to be allocated tablets in a kind of a new outreach scheme to help people stay in touch. Now, I suppose we have seen during the pandemic, you know, many of us, we're embracing new technology at home, work and school. Um, there's some parents there at the moment, nearly tearing their hair out, probably <laughs> trying to do schoolwork, you know. But there's still lots of people out there who are not in a position to use those new IT solutions, and we're very conscious of that. Now, the idea really is that if you want to get in touch with a person by video link, you can contact us. Uh, we will arrange a time with you and use one of several software programs, you know, just WhatsApp, Zoom, Skype and so on to connect you with your loved ones in a video link call. Like we're aware that I suppose many families throughout the country, both maybe maybe a son or a daughter or both or maybe more than that, they could be abroad uh, while they are living probably in, in areas that, um, you know, they're able to call their, their mother or father. You know, they may not have been in a position to get home with all the lockdowns, you know, um, but they're not able to see them, you, yeah. know, or, uh, you know, and Zoom and Skype and everything it's else. fantastic. The ability it's... to do that. Yeah. Now, this scheme, you know, it has several applications. We are open to suggestions, you know. Um, now, We'll, we'll be in a position, say, to call out to somebody's house, okay. you know, with a tablet. It is, uh, there's a SIM card inside it. We will, of course, observe COVID-19 protocols, devices totally clean before and after every use. You know, as I said, you don't need an internet connection because the device will have the built-in connectivity. And listen, we'll let you talk in private. The lads calling will be in uh, our colleagues calling will be in uniform and they'll be using marked cars, you know, and we just want to spread the word about it. Now, as regards Anyone wanting to use it, um, get in touch with your local community Garda. You know, in Fermoy, that's Conor Gately, uh, John Hennessy over over there in um, over over there in Mitchellstown, uh, John Fitzgerald there in Mallow, um, and other community guards throughout the area. So, um, if you don't, uh, you can contact them there by email through the Garda webpage www.garda.ie and follow the Find Garda Stations link on the top right of the Garda uh, of the of the homepage there. Now, the Guardian for my the community Guardian for my have already been taking part. They are in a volunteer program with the For My Community Network to help people get the most out of their phones and other devices. You know, mm. so if you need a hand getting the most out of your phone or other device to set it up, just again the uh, community Guardian will be in a position to do to do that. But I would stress for anyone you know listing say. In, in, in South Limerick or in other uh, other areas, it is exclusive at the moment just to the districts of uh, Mallow and. But if it's a if it's it's only been trialed here, if it's a success here, I imagine it'll be rolled out nationwide, probably. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It's, it's just an example of, along with other org- organisations, that you know, uh, evolving our service. You know, to helping people during the, you know, during those times, you know. Yeah, and and you know, I know we're we're aiming at particularly at people who have loved ones overseas, but it could also be somebody up the country that they might have seen Absol- for months. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, and with yeah. A, and and uh, you're dead right, and you know, with a county to county lockdown, yeah. You know, with with the level five people aren't travelling, they're not able to travel. They are worried if they can see a, a you you know the person on screen. You know, it makes such a such it's a great. difference. It's know, great. Listen, it's like. brilliant. We've been using video links for how long? Um, I have family in Australia, and we're watching little ones grow up over video link, and it's fantastic. Yes. It it really is is great. So well done. It is a terrific uh, initiative. Now to get to some uh, crimes, starting with fraud on the increase, both online you say and in person. Fraud is on the increase. 
increase. Burglaries seem to have dropped off the cliff at the moment. Great. You know, thankfully, we don't see anything. Uh, I've only one incident of physical crime just to mention to you, and, and that's their last... Uh, Last week, Valentine's Day, uh, which was last Sunday, over in Mallow, just uh, somebody was playing with a Staffordshire pup inside in the front garden. They left to go indoors. They came back out 10 minutes later. Pup was gone. Um, but we do know that their van had been rifled through as well, you know, so we do know uh, that that would have been stolen. So uh, that serves as a general warning. You know, pups, dogs, you know, they are still being stolen around the area and just make sure to get them chipped and just not to have them loose in the garden if, if, if you're not around. Now, to come back to the fraud, um, a couple of different things. I suppose the fraud, one um, where a substantial amount kind of was t- taken um, was where the injured party, in this case, paid a deposit for an apartment through a daft advertisement. Now, it was subsequently found to be fraudulent. The property was not actually available for rent. Um, you know, and the, this person was sent a link online to make payments and uh, the payments were to a fraudulent account. Now, investigations are ongoing, and investigations into something like that, you know, can be protracted, you know, and it's a lot easier to prevent the the money uh, for proper... If a person can do proper due diligence first, you know, and we are in an era now where people, because of pandemics, uh, because of the pandemic, they're not available maybe to do... uh, uh, to call out and physically see the apartment or whatever, so they're taken... They're basically taking person's trust, uh, you, you know, that the apartment exists and that, you know. And so the fraudsters are using that and they know that. And they're knowing, they know that, yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, the other incident there was where, where payment, uh, a person out in Cecilstown, now we have plenty of reports of it, but in this case now, a few days ago, they got a call or a text message from, reporting be from DPD, uh, basically telling them that there was a package, uh, uh, that, that there was a package to be collected and that the package, uh, they needed to pay money um, before the package could be delivered. So they're taking uh, advantage of the Brexit confusion that exists at the moment, you know, um, and, and uh, trying, to, trying to extract money in that way. Basically, they're trying to get credit card details that can, can be used afterwards. So I say to people, be very, very careful of any text emails that you get purporting to be from a financial institution, you know, and they, you know, the financial institution is not going to text you. They're not going to get in contact with you. You know, there's constant, uh, they're constantly advertising about fraud themselves, you know, um, and the, uh, the other message I have there, and it's about what happened down in uh, Middleton area, where in this case, the injured party received a text message purporting to be from PTSB uh, querying if a transaction had been carried out on our company account. The text message provided a link to open a website. Um, they clicked on the link and they left the site feeling it wasn't a secure site. Uh, they received a phone call later that afternoon, uh, about five o'clock, purporting to be from PTSB, claiming that someone had tried to gain access to their business account. Um, this person then received another text message with an authentication code and an IP uh, link into the code provided and subsequently an amount of money was transferred yeah. there from the account to another account, you know. So, I mean, they're up there. They're, they know every trick in the book at this stage. Um, and uh, a lot of the time, you know, it's been done from uh, outside our jurisdiction, which makes it doubly and trebly hard to, to investigate. And I say to people, just be on the watch out for it. Just, uh, you know, delete those items. You know, you're getting the phone calls from other jurisdictions at the moment. The, the two rings, I got them myself there. 
last week or the week before two phone calls from from Tunisia. No. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned it's, you it's funny that you mentioned yeah. Tunisia because it looks like an O two one number, but I think it's it's plus two one six is how it, is what it yeah, starts with. So, yeah. We're yeah. after getting a flood of listeners contacting us this morning. There seems to be a rampage this morning with numbers with phone calls from those uh, numbers. Some people actually answered them. One person went to ring them back. Uh, so just be really, really careful. Well, it's the ring back is going to eat up your credit pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's premium lines, isn't it? That's where it's, the scam it's, lines, yeah. It's, it's premium lines, you know. Um, so for people to be very, very aware, every sort of scam prolifer- proliferates during a time like this, you know, with lockdown, online shopping, be very careful uh, that you're onto a genuine site and that you're not onto a site that has been spoofed. In other words, a kind of a, a duplicate site set up, you know. Yeah, and if um, you do need to pay, uh, just make sure if you are contacted that it is, is genuine. And we were contacted at home now during the week from one of the courier firms about an outstanding mm. invoice. So I, I straight away got suspicious. Now we looked into it and yeah. it, tur- it turned out to be genuine. But I didn't accept verbatim what was being said to me or what was on the on the communication. I went through a number that I knew for the company to use and, and it took a yeah. while. But but we eventually worked out, yes, we did owe the money. But I was, I was yeah. Yeah, suspicion is your best defence yeah. at the moment, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, can I just come back to the physical world just for a second? Uh, people out walking, taking in their, their their 5K and looking at their local scenery and getting to know areas that they, they haven't known for, for years. Look, can they please be aware of their surroundings? You know, take the take the earplugs out. You know, don't be listening to, to the music and the walking. You know, li- Listen, listen to the birds and the trees, listen to the wind or something, because otherwise, if you've got the earplugs in, you're not going to be here hearing the ton and a half tractor, you know, coming down the road, you know. Yeah. Um, like, that's fine if you're walking in a built-up area and there's footpaths. But if you're walking in a country area and there's no footpaths, you know, um, and if it's not a kind of a footpath going through the, through the, through the forestry, you know, you, you need to be aware of your surroundings. Wear the high-vis jacket, you know, and please, you know, walk in single file. And I'd say to motorists as well, if you come on a situation where there's people walking, please give them plenty of room. The same applies to cyclists. You know, you have plenty of room to pass, you know, metre and a half, two metres if if you're passing. You know, just be very, very careful. Share the road with everybody. All right, listen, we leave it there. Uh, John, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, from Moy-based Sergeant John Kelly. 1850-333-103 with a reminder. Find a few minutes if you want to enter Ken's Pure Cork Quiz. Your chance to win €103. You need to text me, please, your name and address. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. An email to Patricia at c103.ie. Thank you, Francis, for this, who's updating me on an email that she had sent in last month about postage to Australia. And she says, hi, Patricia, just want to give you an update on my last uh, email. My second parcel to Australia, I posted it on the 29th of October, just to let you know it has just arrived. So for anybody out there whose package still hasn't arrived, tell them do not give up hope because the parcels will eventually arrive. Goodness, Francis, that has got to be the longest one we've heard of. We had a couple of people yesterday who had one had posted in November and one had posted at the beginning of December and they arrived this week, but she went from October. So November, December, January and halfway into um, February, over three and a half months, getting close to four months since you since you posted the parcel. But no doubt the family in Australia thrilled that their parcel arrived safely. And I mentioned that I had a parcel 
that I sent to the UK uh, yesterday and I'm very keen to see how long it's going to take to arrive. Somebody says, hi Patricia, I po- I sent post to us to England and it took eight days. Okay, I'll let you know how many days my parcel takes to uh, arrive. Now back to some of your texts. Anthony in Cork says, hi Patricia, just wondering, who's going to take over for Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice? She'll be going on maternity leave for six months when she has her baby. Maybe you could get on to the government to find out is she going to bring the baby to work with her? Maybe bring a nanny supplied by the government? What do you think? Do you know what is going to happen? As from Anthony in uh, Cork. Well, the bizarre situation has surfaced with Helen McEntee uh, arriving. The, the, the minister announcing that she was uh, due her first baby and we wish her the best of luck with her first baby. That currently in Ireland, we do not have any legal provision for TDs to take maternity leave. And I think it's the same for councillors as well, which seems the most, most bizarre uh, situation. But Helen McEntee has uh, come out and said that she is planning to take leave from work when she has her uh, baby. She says she's trying to figure out the details of setting up maternity leave for uh, TDs and senators. But she said, I am going to take maternity leave. I am going to take time off for my first uh, child. I do want to take that time, but we need to identify, she said, a a mechanism in which that can happen. She said it's also important that we set the example. And the fact that there's no provision there in this day and age, she said, really is simply not acceptable, especially when we're trying to encourage and send out a signal to women to get involved in politics who would get involved? What well, young woman would get involved in politics knowing there's a chance that if you decided to have a baby that there isn't any maternity leave. So is she going to be replaced? I imagine she is. She certainly is not going to go in as Anthony has suggested with a nanny because she said she wants to take the time off. Now we should take the full six months as she would be normally entitled to in, in, a, in a different job. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know how long she's going to take but I am assuming that she is going to, there will be a replacement for the period that she is out of the office. Hi Patricia I wholeheartedly agree with Mark one of your previous texts to the programme about the Leaving Cert and the Junior Cert and now that the the Junior Cert has been cancelled most of those students will simply stop studying and you'll see a lot more of them meeting up outside of their home. Was it a good move to announce the cancellation of the Junior Certificate because yeah I suppose we can all think back to the days when we were in school if you were suddenly being told months out that you didn't have to do an exam would you be applying yourself uh, probably not probably not uh, So, but only time will tell let's hope that they won't be all gathering out and about because that's what we're trying to stop uh, young people from doing Hi Patricia my son will be 18 at the end of February his PPS public service card is out of date this month do you know will he receive a new one automatically or does he have to apply for a new one then thank you for resending in that text because that came into us yesterday and the reason I didn't get to it yesterday was I needed to look at the information to him Uh, to find out what was the up-to-date on public services uh, cards. So John Paul took a look at this uh, and as we know and as we have already announced in the past, public service card appointments have been suspended during Level 5 restrictions but appointments are available for urgent cases and circumstances where the customer has no alternative means of say accessing public services unless they have have the card so for those people you get onto the intro centre for further information but on public service card renewal which is what this listener is asking for on behalf of her son they say existing public services cards which are out of date remain valid for the purposes of collecting social welfare payments and where applicable 
applicable for, for example, free travel, which wouldn't be the case with this particular young guy, I imagine. If they're out of date, they're honoured by the National Transport Authority and they're honoured when you go into the post office uh, to pick up your social welfare payment. So they are acknowledging that many of the public services cards have gone out of date, but you, you, you do absolutely nothing about it until the public service cards appointment are back up and uh, running. But interestingly... And this is something that your son might be interested to hear. A new online renewal service for public services card will be launched, they say, in the spring of 2021. And I don't have a date other than that. Current cards, though, remain valid, though, as I say, for for everything else if they are out of date. So he doesn't need to panic. But as soon as we hear... And if we hear and if that online portal goes live, no doubt we'll get some kind of a press release on it. I certainly will bring that to you and let you know about that. But as of now, he's out of date or when his card goes out of date at the end of February, whatever, I don't know what he's using it for at the moment, but whatever he's using it for, it still remains uh, a valid. And for those people that don't have a public service card and if there are urgent circumstances in which you need one, then please contact your local intro centre for further information and they are in some way facilitating that and also yesterday there was calls in about Celine Dion concert tickets so we looked into that and anyone who has a ticket to go to Celine Dion and I imagine Celine Dion in concert would be wonderful but anyway she had a European tour it's the Courage World Tour and the European leg of it has now been rescheduled for 2022 She's going to be in the three arena on Dublin the first uh, in the three arena in Dublin on the first and second of June of twenty twenty two. Even looking at twenty twenty two seems so bizarre. So not this June, next June. And original tickets are valid for the new show date. So if you have Celine Teen tickets that were meant to be for some time, I'm assuming sometime this summer, hang on to those tickets. You'll be able to go and see Celine next year. 1st and 2nd of June of uh, 2022. Okay, that's a question for our vet. Thank you for that. Leave that there. And if you have any more questions, please, for Jane, our resident vet, can you get them into us, please? You can either send them by text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 or you can give John Paul a call. He's taking calls as well. Some of your WhatsApps in there. This is on vaccines and we know that vaccines are coming on stream. Somebody says, there is no good saying to us vaccines are going to be here in six months time. How many people will have passed away while waiting for their vaccine? This is a crazy situation. I blame the government says this uh, texter they I blame the government. They can buy additional vaccines. Germany has done it. Hungary have uh, done, it, done it. And yet we are here waiting on uh, vaccines uh, while others are not waiting. It does seem shameful. Can we get a breakdown of what each country has got so far? Uh, please ask Boris. Don't be foolish with people's lives. I'm thinking of a St. John Paul. I'm thinking of starting the hashtag. Hashtag Buzz Boris in the hopes that somebody will, will pick up the phone and ring him. And you know what kind of gets to me when, when I look as to sorry, as to what's the breakdown of other countries, it's it's per the population. That's how the EU are giving out all of their vaccines. So that's why we're getting. We've got a much smaller population than say the likes of France originally are uh, Germany, and it's been done. They've the fairest way they felt across Europe was you get your vaccines as they become available based on how many people are in your in your population. So whatever the breakdown for us, it'll be the same for all of the other countries, except for the countries that decided to step outside of the EU agreement like Germany did and like Hungary did. 
but I don't know if there's any other European countries have done that or not but it does mean it can be done but I'm thinking of starting that the hashtag to buzz Boris let's give him a buzz and see will he pass some over to us please now there is some good news on the vaccines and I know I can sense your frustration of saying I don't want to wait six months I want my vaccine and I want it now we will receive millions of extra vaccine doses under two new deals which have been agreed with the EU and both of the pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer and Moderna. Over 4.5 million doses should be uh, available as the EU yesterday announced a deal with Moderna for 150 million extra doses this year. But you see, the key is in that it's this year. That 150 million extra doses will come on stream for all of Europe, but it'll be across the entire year. Some of those doses, for example, won't be available until December. And Pfizer has also, they've also agreed to buy an extra 300 million doses from Pfizer. The European Medicines Agency is now, of course, as we mentioned yesterday, they are reviewing the single-dose vaccine submitted by Johnson & Johnson for approval. That one now is seen as the big uh, game changer. Uh, When that comes on stream, hopefully from April, we have an order in for there under the EU of 2.2 million. Again, the 2.2 million won't all arrive in April. There'll be a small batch and then every week, so many more of the vaccines. That's how the rollout uh, happens. And under that EU vaccination deal, we receive 1.1% of the total that becomes available each each week and that's based on our population. The Pfizer deal was signalled in January. That could see Ireland receive in total 3.3 million extra doses and the EU also has 150 million doses of Moderna for this year with the option to buy the same amount uh, next year. But I know people are saying to worry about next year. We want them now and uh, we want them sooner rather than later. But this is where patience has to come into it. But if we can look outside the box and look outside of that agreement and while continue to get the vaccines we're entitled to under the EU deal, continue to get them every week. But if we can get extra by picking up the phone and buzzing Boris to say when you've got extra left over, can you send them over to us? Why not go with that uh, as well? 1850 Hi Patricia, I'm from West Cork and from what I'm hearing the hospitality sector will be the last to open this time. Will the COVID payment be extended beyond the 31st of March and what happens? Can you get clarish, clarification on that uh, please? I know a couple of weeks ago the it was Leo Varadkar was talking about this and he came out very clearly and said that the government is set to extend the pandemic business supports beyond the expiry date. The expiry date is meant to be on the end of March. He says it simply cannot end on the 31st of uh, March. So there will be extensions to all the pandemic unemployment payments, the PUPs, the Employment Wage Subsidy Scheme, the COVID Restriction restriction Support Scheme. All of those are expected to be uh, extended uh, because they're accepting that businesses will still be closed. Certainly by the end of March, they will still be closed. And even Leo Varadkar said that even when they reopen, whenever that is, many businesses are going to need help even when they reopen. So they are looking at extending all of those 
schemes beyond the 31st of March. They just haven't announced it uh, yet, but don't. And I, I can see again, when you get a text like that, you can sense the panic. Somebody saying, is my money going to run out on the 31st of March? It's, it's not. Uh, certainly no. 1850-333-103. And when we mention sharing the vaccines with other countries, and this is something that Mike Ryan, our own Mike Ryan of the World Health Organisation, he's saying it about us here in Ireland, that we need to be generous and we need to share some of our vaccines, give a small slice of the cake with uh, countries who are way down the chain, third world countries. But he's not just saying it about us, he's saying it about the entire world, but he's saying it about, he was particularly, I think, talking about Europe, saying that they need to share some of their uh, vaccines. We have a listener saying, no, 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 don't want to share until everybody in this country gets the vaccine. Sorry now, the government needs to look after the people in this country first, says a uh, texter. John Paul has taken your calls. We are looking for your pet questions, please. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. Dara Community Centre in Ring in Clonakilty are holding a wellness webinar. It's on tonight at 8 o'clock. The guest speakers will share practical tips to help with sleep, nutrition, anxiety and stress management. To register for what is a free Zoom event, call 086 37539986 or go to Dara Community Centre Facebook page. And Dublin historian Liz Gillis will speak on Women of the Revolution at the monthly Zoom lecture of Dukas Conakilty Heritage that's also happening tonight at 9 o'clock. To request a login detail, email Dukas Lectures and Field Trip at gmail.com. And Cork Camogie and Jigsaw Cork are holding a virtual 5K to raise funds for both organisations. Families and individuals are asked to run, walk or cycle 5K between Friday the 26th and tw- Sunday the 28th of February. You sign up and support Camogie and Jigsaw supporting mental health in young people. Check out Cork Camogie and Jigsaw on their social media to register for the 5K or to simply make a donation. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. I text in from a listener, doesn't want me to call her a name, which is fine. Just see if anybody else in this uh, situation uh, says, Hi Patricia, as you know, thousands of people got refunded for flights uh, which didn't fly due to COVID. I was due to fly last April to Malaga from Cork, return with my sister. I still haven't been refunded. I booked through lastminute.com and was to fly with Aer Lingus. Now I've been on to Aer Lingus numerous times and they've told me they cannot pay me as it's up to lastminute.com as they were the ones that took the booking. Aer Lingus told me that they have reimbursed this company and I still haven't got my money back. Please don't uh, call call out my name. Has that happened to anybody else? We'll try and get that checked with um, one of the consumer associations. But I don't know if it's happened to anyone else because certainly Aer Lingus have been really good about refunding and Ryanair have been really good about refunding unless you booked through a travel agent or booked through a site like that. I know there has been problems there. But has anybody else had that issue with 
particularly with an Aer Lingus flight and particularly with that company, lastminute.com. If anybody can offer advice to this listener, please let us know. And in the meantime, we'll try and get that checked with uh, one of our, maybe Dermot Jewell. John Paul might pass that on to Dermot Jewell, one of our consumer experts, and see if we can uh, find out what is going on for you. To celebrate our brand new breakfast show, we're giving away thousands of euro on C103. Whatever it now, I've only got two days today and tomorrow, my last two days of playing this uh, competition because from next Monday, this reverts totally to being Ken's quiz. And of course, it is Ken's Pure Cork quiz. €103 Euro for answering three questions all about Cork. I'm going to Noreen O'Connell in Mallow. Good afternoon, Noreen. Good afternoon, Patricia. And how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Is the sun shining on you at the moment? Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm yeah. just off for a walk. Oh, yeah, well done, well done. And you could do with €103. Euro. I could. <laughs> OK, let me get straight into this for you. Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. The class ticket. Cork Opera House have how many seats? 500 or 1,000? Um, 1,000. How many cathedrals has Cork City? One or two? Uh, one. Uh, where did Sir Walter Raleigh live? Yall or Cove? Um, Cove. Ah. <laughs> Time's up, but unfortunately, uh, you were right with the Cork Opera House. It does have a thousand uh, seats. Cork, that was kind of a quick trick question on the cathedrals, can I say? There's actually two cathedrals in Cork. There's St. Finbar's and St. Mary's, okay. often referred to as the North Cathedral. And Sir Walter Raleigh lived in Yall. I'll get you get back to your walk. That's okay. Enjoy the sunshine. Much. Thanks for Thank playing. Bye bye. You too. That is Noreen O'Connell uh, in Mallow playing Ken's Pure Cork Quiz. We've got another round of it to play this afternoon. That will be with Nick. And then Martina will play one uh, final round uh, today. And then we'll do it all over again tomorrow. And of course, Ken's Pure Cork Quiz. Ken gets to play it twice uh, in the morning, 20 past seven and uh, 20 past eight. And by the way, I know after I played yesterday, I had a number of people after we did it say how do I enter how do I enter you've got to wait until you get the queue to text or WhatsApp and only at that moment in time do you text in your name and address and then if you're lucky enough to be selected you will get a uh, call Ken's Pure Cork Quiz answer the questions to win the cash only on C103 now Trish in Blackpool has been on to us about uh, family members in Mexico who went on holidays they posted gifts from Mexico now you're thinking Covid when did they go to Mexico they went to Mexico way before Covid it was in May of 2019 when we knew absolutely nothing about COVID. And <laughs> said, wait for this. They got a parcel 10 days ago. The presents that they posted in Mexico in May of 2019 arrives in Ireland in February of 2021. Nearly two years. Never give up hope that a parcel is not going to arrive. Thank you. That's from Trish in Blackpool. If you are a soccer fan, don't forget to tune in to Trevor Welch on C103.ie this Saturday for the Premier League Live exclusively online powered by Talk Sport. This Saturday it's Southampton versus Chelsea. That's 12.30. Uh, Burnley versus West Ham, 3 o'clock. Liverpool taking on Everton at 5.30. And then the final match is Fulham versus Sheffield United. That's at 8pm. That's the Premier 
Premier League live online with Now TV. Stream all the action from Sky Sports on Now TV Sky Sports Pass live Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Eggfoil and mock, quid then and here is Farlin. Shot eight thrower, C103 Air Kirkig. On Donkey Sanctuary, Lunaha Elis Carul and Nakale Mala, Agasazotela Kurti Hurted, Agasred Titiming Raw, Terror Hugh Lodis, a team plucked all in, Agasbulla Hassel, Agas Mule in the Torhala, Oskleha Sibli and Nadia Gohotau Shacht, Habrishis Kedavila Assel Glacoco, Hoshes Ernashka Hundal Shahan, Agasis Terminators in the Hassel, Tot in Water, or Fudnatide, to record the Donkey Sanctuary, or the Manamundit, or to Spriul, does not help Kurtur, it or Og Gazesta. Nocta, quid denanea is far. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, uh, joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let me get straight into questions for you because uh, there are a number of questions in. Ah, Here's a sad one. Hi, Jane. Sadly, my black Labrador died last week due to illness. She was the mammy of the house. Uh, Now, we have two more Labradors, a golden Labrador and a chocolate Labrador. They really miss her and they're refusing food. It's almost like they're pining. How can we help them? 
Okay, this is a really tough situation because not only are you as a family grieving the loss of your beloved pet, but you can see that your your own two dogs that are remaining are, are very, very out of sorts. I, I firmly believe that the dogs that are left behind when, let's say, one of their companions pass away, they do absolutely grieve in their own way. Um, and, and it can manifest like this being very off food or very out of sorts or being very lethargic. Really, I think it's going to be a case of giving it time. Um, I think we need to make sure they're getting something in. And I, the one word of warning I would give is don't be don't be tempted to give them like let's say a crazy amount of treats or really fatty food, um, but maybe something small to tempt them, like a little bit of let's say chicken breast or a little bit of ham with their food might tempt them to start eating because you want them to to keep the nutrition up. But the likelihood is when they are hungry, they will eat. Really, it's most likely just this massive change in the household and they're going to be feeding off your own grief as well. They're very, very astute animals. They they are really, really emotionally astute. So they'll be they'll be understanding that you're unhappy and also their friend is gone. So they're unhappy. The best thing you can do is really try to get them out of their own headspace. Same as with us. Um, so I normally suggest just making everything very routine. So stick to their walking routine. Maybe add in a few, let's say, extra play sessions during the day to break things up for them. Just a little bit of distraction to get them out of their own heads is, is probably a good thing. But the main thing I would say is give them time and just give them structure. They don't want to feel like the whole world has fallen down around them and that all of their normal routines have gone. So just try and keep things as 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 usual um, if you can, even though I, I understand it's really hard. My heart goes out to you. It's, it's a really tough, tough thing to lose. And, and they will come around. They like they will. They it's will. just, yeah, God they help will. them. Uh, and this is, I think, probably an ongoing problem for a lot of people. Having been home a lot more than usual during lockdown, our two year old, a very lively staffy slash Jack Russell cross has taken to weeing wherever he wants, whenever we leave the room or the house. What can we do to ease what we now know is separation anxiety as I'm tired of washing the kitchen floor? Please help. Yeah, I can imagine this is a really common one at the moment with all the toing and froing of lockdown and working from home and then back at work. There's been a really a huge amount of upheaval for our pets in the past year, as well as ourselves, obviously. Um, it is frustrating. But what I would say is there's no point in kind of scolding your dog or, or giving off to him because he's he is, as, as you're correctly saying, he's probably just incredibly anxious because of all of the change. He doesn't know what way is up or what's happening during the day. And dogs and cats are creatures of habit. And when their habits and routines are disturbed, they think that everything is about to fall apart. So the important thing I would say is try and keep routine and structure very similar to our, let's say, grieving dogs the last time. Try and make sure everything that works like clockwork as far as you can with your routine. We're not perfect, but life happens, but try and keep a structure there. So same walks at the same time, same treats at the same time, same food at the same time. What I would say is when you're leaving the house, so that initial separation point um, that might be kind of triggering off, let's say, anxious weighing around the house um, and some anxious behaviour, the best thing to do is create a new routine around that. So um, what I normally suggest to people is get their favourite toy or let's say a stuff stuffable toy like a Kong and fill it full of, let's say, a little bit of their breakfast maybe in the morning and let's say a little bit of cream cheese, just something super tasty that will be a big treat for them. And if they have a, a crate or a bed area within the house, before you go five minutes, take them over there with their Kong, make a big fuss of them for two minutes and then go off, but remain in the house for a few minutes. So have your cup of coffee before you leave. And then just before you leave, don't make a big fuss. 
um, just before you go out the door because that's kind of a trigger for them to say, oh, God, they're leaving. This is terrible. Just um, without without much word, just slip out the door. But make sure that ha they have that happy kind of positive association with you leaving the house. As much as we don't want them to look forward to us leaving, sometimes in this situation, a big distraction, a big special treat really, really helps. Um, but not making a big fuss too. I think the really important thing as well, if, if the behaviour is purely weeing and he's not anxious otherwise, just make sure that there's nothing going on physically either. Um, it does sound like anxiety to me, but keep it in the back of your mind. Is there any physical problem, like let's say a bladder infection or something like that? If you have any doubts and it's not settling or he feels otherwise unwell in himself, visit your vet just for a full checkup. But it does sound like separation anxiety to me. Hi, uh, Jane. Uh, I have an eight-month-old small crossbred terrier. I treated him for worms about two weeks ago. He's still dragging himself off the ground. Should I give him another tablet? Thanking you. Okay. Um, so, well done to our listener anyway for taking the first step in, in worming, worming the patient. Sometimes we get dogs that will drag their bottom if they have tapeworms. So they're little rice grains. So little rice grain tapeworms, they can be quite itchy. And that's why they'll usually drag their bottom as they pass out through the, the back end. Another cause of um, dragging the bottom can sometimes be uh, full or impacted anal glands. So dogs and cats even have two little scent glands at about four o'clock and eight o'clock on their bottom. And these fill up normally the whole time and they normally empty um, and cause a big smell every now and again um, as your dog poos. So you might occasionally notice a fishy smell after they've been out of the toilet and that's them, them emptying their anal glands. Um, now, some dogs seem to have a bit more trouble than others with normally emptying their anal glands and they can become impacted so extra full or even infected and it's quite irritating and as you can imagine it's just a, you know a really uncomfortable feeling so that is another cause of dragging the bottom I think if it's if this behaviour has persisted after worming your dog, that kind of ruled out tapeworms. Um, so I would be inclined to visit your vet at this point. They'll need a full physical exam, but let them know that they've been dragging their bottom uh, because they'll most likely need to do a little examination of the anal glands and uh, kind of institute appropriate treatment. And apologies to anybody having lunch, but we're going to stay on anal glands for a yeah. moment because the <laughs> listener says, my female Cavapoo got her anal glands removed five weeks ago as a last resort after endless problems. Mm -hmm. Now, when she needs to go to the toilet, she usually leaves what I can only describe the size of your finger nail of poo on the sofa before she goes out to do a business. Is this going to continue? It's new since her operation and she was so easy to train first day. We never had any problems with accidents, etc. Thanking you. It's a little bit difficult to know whether that's going to persist. And I'd say, it, you know, having anal glands or one or both anal glands removed is, is quite an extensive procedure to have. But in some cases, it is 100% necessary, depending on what's going on. Um, or let's say the, the anal glands sit within the anus. So where the poo comes from. And all of that has a huge amount of very intricate muscles that work together, but also a lot of very intricate nerve connections. And if you can imagine doing surgery in that area, it is incredibly delicate back there. So sometimes after the procedure, a known complication can sometimes be, let's say, incontinence. So some dogs can, let's say, lose their ability to know if they're pooing or not, or some might let, let, let's say, a little nugget of poo slip out. This could be temporary post-recovery from the procedure, but you know, from what you're describing, like she is continent as such, apart from these little nuggets of poo. What I would say is it's a complex situation and a complex procedure. So really the best person to speak to is your own primary vet or whoever has done the operation. Just let them know what's going on. It doesn't necessarily mean anything's wrong, but 
as they're kind of involved in the situation, know the full history and exactly what's happened, they'll be the best person to guide you as to whether it's likely to persist or not. Okay, D, a question for Jane, please. I have a miniature schnauzer, three years old. Before lockdown, he didn't bark at any other dogs when we were out walking. But in the last six months, he goes absolutely crazy whenever we're out walking and he sees another dog. How do I stop this behaviour? Oh, with great difficulty. Um, I'm right there with you. My own dog, Sally, is incredibly people and dog aggressive when we're walking together. Luckily, she has no teeth, so there's no no risk of her doing any damage. But it is very embarrassing. So I, I know the feeling. Um, really, distraction is the best way to try and tackle it. Um, it could be a number of things that's caused this change in behaviour. If they're spending a lot more time with you, the bond may have massively increased and they might feel that when people are coming up or dogs are coming up to them outside, they are your protector. So they're they're barking away the bad guys. So that's potentially one thing. Or else it could be that they're going out for a lot more walks in, in more social places now, encountering more dogs and people than they used to before. And this is a new kind of social interaction for them. So this is maybe something that they mightn't be as used to. Um, it definitely sounds like something has changed. But the best way to deal with this is just real consistency. So whenever you notice that there's people coming up ahead, first of all, just make sure your dog is in the lead and everybody is safe because, you know, safety is paramount. And if you're uncertain, of how controllable your dog is in that situation make sure they're on a, a short leash with you so you have control um, and then the best thing to do is try and try and interrupt the barking behavior with another and for instance sit or give the paw or lie down so you're distracting them to something else and just really try and do this like clockwork and as soon as they've done the right thing give them a little treat make a big fuss and carry on like nothing has happened at this point hopefully the people who are coming opposite to you will, will pass past you and the dog will be effectively distracted and nobody will have had a big wolf in their face um, it doesn't always work but I think if you're struggling getting a behaviourist or a dog trainer involved can be really helpful because I know it can be really frustrating and potentially a little bit embarrassing out on walks Hi uh, Jane Is it, would it be possible to introduce a new dog to a nine and a half year old Yorkie our Yorkie is the queen of the household and can be jealous slash defensive in her behaviour. I would like to get another similar dog, but I worry, would it devastate her and could it end up being a disaster? Thanking you, Jane. Yeah, OK, this is a bit of a complex one. Um, our listener has kind of mentioned defensive as a word and that's the bit that might worry me with introducing another dog i think lots of lots of little dogs can be quite precious about their owners and you know they are the the queen of the palace as it were and with time and gentle introduction they will tolerate another dog and even grow to like having another dog in the household but i suppose the thing is your attention is divided and in their eyes you are a resource just like food and water you are attention and a bond so um you're kind of you're by introducing another dog you're kind of having the amount of attention you can give that dog and they don't like that now most adapt really well with time and routine routine is key but defensive is the bit that worries me if there's any chance that you think that aggression or defensive behavior might be directed at a new dog then i think safety first it's not something i would venture into maybe without tackling it first with discussing let's say the defensive or aggressive behavior and um, towards other, other dogs or when you're around with a with a veterinary behaviorist
um, just to keep everyone safe. Yeah, because they can be snappy little dogs at the best of times. Yeah, yeah uh, Yorkies. OK, and I want to finish with this because this was a gorgeous email that we had in about your good self, uh, Jane, uh, that Laura has asked me to read. It says, hi, just want to write to you about your vet, Jane. She was my dog, Whitey's vet. Whitey was 16 and passed away five weeks ago. Whitey had been sick on and off for the last year. I have leukaemia and when I rang Jane, they were so good, not just to Whitey, but to me as well. When we took Whitey back on his final day, Jane and the girls at Island Wood were amazing. The care they gave him and me on that day will never be forgotten. It was the hardest day of my life and they made it a little bit easier by the care they showed Whitey and me. They went above and beyond to make sure that I was protected and able to be with him. I can never thank Jane and the girls enough. She's an amazing vet and the people and the pets of Cork are lucky to have have her. Thank you for reading this out and that's from Laura. That's a gorgeous email and I said I had to share it with you because as I think as a vet that's a tough part of your job as well isn't it? It is and thank you so much for sharing that email Laura because it's absolutely lovely you're going to make me cry oh, no, <laughs> um, but it, it, it is it is beautiful to hear that we've we've tried to make a difference it is a really tough part of the job saying goodbye but I, you know my heart really goes out to the owners I really try and focus on the owner and the pet in that situation we just want to make a difficult hard situation as easy and as as comforting as we can for everybody involved um, and to hear that we've, we've managed to make that happen is, is really rewarding so thank you As I imagine it's one of those things that never gets easy it never gets easy no, listen you have no. a great week and we'll chat to you next Thursday thanks for that thank you Patricia bye 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 that is uh, Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in the market part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary Group that's where I've got to leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing the programme Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 until then I'm Patricia Mester very good afternoon stay safe today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.